The following podcast contains explicit language and content that may not be suitable for some listeners. Listener discretion is advised. Hello. Hi. Thanks. Uh, huh? Bitch, what was I reading the outro instead of the intro? Thanks and goodbye. Welcome to the Guest Spooky Podcast, where two married guys share stories of paranormal encounters, urban legends, true crime, and other scary things from around the world. I'm Andres. And I'm Kevin. And we're boring. Yeah. We are. We? Just you. Okay. Yeah. Thank you. So what's been going on? <sighs> not much is chilling. Sorry, I never know what to answer to that. I think we've said the same thing. Um, oh, actually, the setup. We got a new setup. Yeah, we do have a new setup. So we might sound a little different um, because I'm turning to look at you. Um, but the cons- the computer screens are like in front of us now. Yeah, seriously. It's like the same equipment or whatever but like we're oriented in a different way in the room so we're gonna sound different. completely different yeah wow guys i think it sounds better honestly we're moving on up in this world yeah we fixed up uh the room that we that we record in so to me it sounds better um more to come i don't know yeah i don't maybe. know where i'm going with this we got a pc i don't know yeah hopefully the cats don't start dragging their food bowls in the middle of the episode again it always sounds like there's like dragons growling in the back when they're like when they're chewing. Per, you know what else is coming up? What is coming up? Father's Day. Really? My <laughs> least favorite holiday. Why? And I'll tell you why. Why? Because it's the same shit every year where <laughs> companies don't know how to market to fathers, so they always give them like the same three. Like pull up Amazon right now. Um, actually, I know the perfect gift to get my dad every what is time, except a, they're kind of expensive. No, per uh, cologne. Oh, that's good. I he like he really likes cologne. He will never buy it for himself, but every time I've gotten him a bottle of cologne, he always really likes what I get him. Oh my god, look at the stuff that's being advertised to me. Uh, jock straps. You did not have to say that. Huge well. wiener. <laughs> okay well it's like i have to describe what's happening you for don't have listeners. to you do and not no, have I really, to that's they want to the know the people want to fucking know okay that's why they're listening they want to know what we're what we're seeing around us okay yeah um what else i think because i've been using amazon um to look for stuff for like the room we have now because we want to like make it, it nice up. and fix it up i think it's just advertising stuff like that and underwear for some oh reason. yeah jock straps <laughs> hell yeah what are we how are we decorating this room exactly because you're being advertised jock straps and like trunks period, period. um in other um, news i had 
Burger King for dinner because Burger King is bankrupt and I want to enjoy those fucking Whoppers before they they're what? no more. You didn't hear about that? Burger just because King? companies go bankrupt doesn't mean that their products are going to stop Okay, selling. well, I'm afraid, okay? Just like when Kmart was going out of business, I went there and bought a bunch of stuff. I actually did not because I was very young. I couldn't <laughs> grab myself. Everyone has gotten lost in a Kmart at least once. Yeah. Memories. Um, The last time I saw a Kmart was in high school in like 2000, probably like eight or Damn. seven. You're telling when your I, age. Yeah. When I was in vocal class they took us to a competition out in enid oklahoma and there was still a fucking kmart out there what the fuck it was weird i was like what the fuck they went like they were on like the extinction list the yeah the meteor wiped them out yeah it was like they were dying and then it was like there was this one if that's not a good representation of what it's like to live in oklahoma if that is not a good representation i don't know what is yeah, I, I have to explain it to people that live here where it's like, outside, out there, there's so much more. <laughs> like, <laughs> when um when my friend, friend of the pod, Emily, went to Seoul, South Korea, she was like shook at how like big the city is and how you can use public transportation to get anywhere, basically. And I'm like, yeah, in most civilized cities, it's like that. In America, not so much. You, you know what I've also noticed here? That a lot of buildings aren't actually new buildings, or they're just repurposed buildings. Yeah. Like that one Italian restaurant in Mustang that's just a Dairy Queen that went out of business <laughs> like 20 years ago, and they put an Italian restaurant in it, but you can still tell it's a Dairy Queen? Yeah, they actually hand you your lasagna, and they flip it upside down in the back up. Uh, and you know what else they use? They reuse a lot here? The fucking Pizza Hut buildings that have the hut roof oh this is not a pizza it's like hut. a dispensary it's a, it's a it's a dispensary now <laughs> <laughs> they do that a lot here like just like all the crepid ass buildings that they report or when we went to good times mm. who the fuck knows what that little bar was before but it was not a bar oh yes 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 yes, yes. i'm like good times yeah. i loved that bar i know but i mean when you look in it it looks mm. like a it was like a house it was like a crack house, <laughs> actually, not just a regular house. It was a crack home. Shut the fuck up. <laughs> oh, my God. Turn this pizza hut into a pizza home. People are going to cancel us. Be quiet. Period. They're going to say, oh, Kevin keeps pizza talking hut about supremacists. Pizza there's some pizza hut supremacists out there. Pizza hut's fucking disgusting, first <laughs> of all. This is a Domino's family. Do you remember how much I used to love pizza hut, too? I would, yeah, like, I did. choose it. Yeah. And then one time I got heartburn from it and I never touched it again. And I, I, knew, I learned better. I learned better than that. I moved on. Period. I moved on to craft pizza. Or what is it called? Tavern style pizza? Yeah. The best. S rank pizza. Not honestly. Caprice. Um, what else? Um well sorry, what else has been going on? So oh I sorry, I never even finished complaining about uh Father's Day. Oh, it's always the same thing advertised. It's like a grill brush, a wallet, flip-flops. They always have those really weird... Um, so when I used to work at Kohl's mm. at this time of the year, they'd all, they would always put those weird fucking gifts in those towers by the men's dress shirts in the back. And it was like a grooming kit. Um, that Remember that magnetic bottle opener that you got that's on our fridge? 
Yeah. That's what comes around this time of the year. Like a little tie set with three different colored ties. Yeah. A, uh, like a drink making set. Like they don't actually know what dad's like. So they're just no. like, let's just, just fucking whatever. make them alcoholic businessmen. Let's yeah. just, <laughs> and they shave. Yeah. <laughs> let's, let's do this. No, I, I get it. It's what do funny. dads like? What do dads like? As someone who will eventually be a father, just kidding. I like money. <laughs> I'm just throwing it out there. Have you I ever like asked money. your parents like what they wanted for Christmas? Get the portas bien. Get the portas bien. I was Every like, I'm fucking gonna... time. Like, what if I bring a knife to your house? <laughs> <laughs> There's already knives in the kitchen. They're all dull, but they're there. <laughs> Trying to cut that lime. It's like I'm in the trenches, mama. You know what? Actually, speaking of dull knives in a kitchen, my fucking mom. Love oh, you, God. mom. Love you, mommy. Yeah, she's listening. Tell me why <laughs> she is still holding on to the pots and pans that we brought from Florida when we moved here in 2003. Like 40 years ago? Ew. Sorry, I don't know math. 2003. Okay, 20 years ago. <laughs> okay, there we go. I'm just a little dramatic. I'm- I'm 30 now. I'm in my 30. 30s now. Wow. Ew, I see myself in pictures now. And I'm like, ew, I'm ugly. Oh, now? That young, fresh face is gone. Bitch, you've always <laughs> been ugly. You don't know what that is. <laughs> no, that's not what I meant. That's not what I meant. <laughs> I meant like currently or like looking at pictures when you were younger. No. Well, I guess looking at, at pictures. Looking at pictures always... of myself. Like that picture that I Correct. sent you earlier where somebody like... I wasn't even sleeping, first of all. I was on the phone talking to a client, and they took a picture of me with the filter of the old man, mm-hmm. and I'm like, that's literally what I look like right now. No but filter. You just had your eyes closed, and I was like, a grandfather fell asleep watching the soccer game with no. his phone with a YouTube video at full volume. Oh, no. I can tell you I was definitely going through it today at work. I'm glad it was fucking Friday. I can tell you I'm glad it's it was Friday. Friday. It's been fucking crazy lately. Yeah. I just need a mental break. I need to check yeah. out. Sometimes I wish we could check out from like life. Just like. That's le- dying. No, not, not like that. Like I want to shut down like a little robot and go up to like a wall and just plug myself in and just charge. Just close my eyes and charge for a while. No thoughts, no breathing, no nothing. Just stand there. For about, okay. For about four hours and then I'm good. <laughs> four hours. Yeah. Okay. And I'm like recharging good to go sounds like a plan i feel like i had a point to what i was saying before but then i got lost in the sauce and i have no idea what i'm talking about um we were talking about complaining about father's day and about how dad's like nobody really knows what a father likes okay 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 no actually you know what i don't know if anybody else's mexican dad did this Uh but my dad was a hustler okay so he would go to sears and buy his little tools to work at his little drywall job right oh god we're not admitting to a federal crime are we and all these tools Let's just say they had warranties because they were like Black and Decker and all those fucking brands mm-hmm. or whatever. So he would literally use a tool and then <gasps> take it back and exchange it for a new one. Oh my God. And that's why Sears went out of business. That's why Sears went out of business. He single handedly did that single by himself. Handedly. And my uncles. That. They all did it for years. Okay. One time I actually asked my dad, I was like, what are you going to do now that Sears is closed? You're going to have to spend money on tools. Oh, he was shaking. He was quaking <laughs> in his little crocodile shoes, not boots, because he, wear he wears those like crocodile shoes. Mm-hmm. I can't even describe them. They're like 
Chelsea boots, but like with crocodile skin on them. Per. I don't know if anybody else's dad wears those. He was serving. They're they they're his casual shoes when he's not wearing boots. Boots are kind of dressy. Crocodile skin. Yeah. Okay. Or his little manta ray boots, or his little ostrich boots. He's got he's got all the animals in the zoo. All the animals in the zoo. All the animals in the zoo. (laughs) See him come in and they're like, oh Oh, my god. That's why he's not allowed at aquariums. Like the manta rays, like get so scared of him. Literally so scared. Period. Sorry, this derailed. It Um, really did. But yeah, so it's still May though, so we got a while to go until Father's Day, so we can continue complaining until then. Yeah. Um, but Mother's Day was this month. And my mom never texted me back. She's in Mexico and she has been ignoring my texts and my calls. And when she gets back, she's going to say, Tu no me mandaste mensaje y no me hablaste. And I always hit her with the screenshots. And I'm like, ma'am, you're the one that didn't answer. I was there. I called. I texted. That's all right. She's still going to gaslight me. That's just how Griselda is. You don't have to say her name. It's a cute name. I love my mom okay yeah do you want to just jump into the story since we're a few minutes in um sure okay so i go first yeah so yeah we we actually have a theme this month um which is kind of intentional but we usually don't plan ahead about things like this so happy asian american and pacific islander heritage month yay I'll go first. Okay. (laughs) You go first. So, our stories are specifically from Asia and the Pacific Islands, or the islands in the Pacific. So, mine, it's always fucking hard choosing what to cover my case on. Because, yes, there are a lot of topics I can cover, but none that are... um, long enough Mm -hmm. usually it's like i can do one or two pages on a topic but it's like i want a i want a longer meatier episode meaty meaty like in a jock strap shut the fuck up (laughs) (laughs) so i'm covering the aswang from the philippines i'm scared so some of my sources are mang kukulam article an article on cryptids.fandom, thought catalog article by January Nelson, ancient origins article by Sahir Pandey, um, subreddit No Sleep and subreddit Paranormal, YouTube video by The Paranormal Portal, a YouTube video by Bedtime Stories, and Wikipedia. Shout out to her cousin Michelle. Um, some content warnings. Um, there will be mentions of death, infanticide, uh, and miscarriages. So, well, what do you know about Aswang? Everything. But I'm going to let you tell us. Oh, my God. That's true. Okay. So, the Aswang is kind of an umbrella term used in the Philippines to describe shape-shifting creatures of, like, Filipino folklore. Um, The legend of the Aswang is more common in rural areas of the Philippines, specifically in the southern parts of Luzon and some parts of Minandao and Visayas, but... Basically, the entire country knows about them, but in more urban settings, from my understanding, is that they are 
kind of considered like an like an old idea whereas in more rural settings it's more real it's more real right um so in other regional names for the, are the tik tik the wak wak or the sok sok and others claim that these are separate entities so i kind of found a subreddit where people were arguing it's like no you didn't see an aswang you saw a tik tik so to me it was funny and i even mentioned it to you um before it wasn't even a matter of questioning the validity of them seeing like this mythical creature it was like no you didn't see this mythical creature you saw this other it was one the other one yeah um so according to spanish colonizers the aswang was the most feared of the creatures in filipino folklore and it's kept that title till today the Aswang is said to be the inverse of Filipino value, so anything that is considered a good traditional value, the Aswang is meant to be the perversion of that. So I have a question. Hmm. When you say colonizers, are we talking about like actual conquistadors? Yes. Okay. <laughs> so the Philippines was considered a uh, colony of the Spanish crown for some time. Um, relatively late, too. Like, I think they gained independence from from spain and then right after they were colonized by japan and then right after they were colonized by the u.s so it wasn't until like 1945 when they were like officially free of outside control yeah um but the spanish were the first and you can kind of tell especially in tagalog where a lot of words have been borrowed from spanish and for some time there was actually um a large amount of Spanish speakers, but it's kind of transformed now into like Chabacano, which is um, a Creole language of indigenous languages from the Philippines and a huge influence from Spanish. Mm-hmm. It's still a pretty big language out there. Mm-hmm. So yes, they were colonized by the Spanish. Mm-hmm. I was um, just wanting to make sure we weren't just calling regular white people colonizers and this wasn't just happening right <laughs> no, now. Like conquistadores. <laughs> okay. Okay. Perfect. Clarification. So, yeah, it's supposed to be... The Aswang is meant to be, like, the perversion of Filipino values, of, like, strong family closeness. Um, so, examples of that are, like, Aswang are not known to not hesitate to attack their own family. They're also believed to have an aversion towards traditional Filipino cuisine. Uh, this is kind of like how demonic symbols are based on the inverse of holy symbols, like an er- inverted cross or inverted pentagrams. Um, in folklore, these creatures take the form of a regular human, most mostly, or most often, a beautiful woman during the day. They'll behave just like everyone else, except there'll be something off about them, like reclusive habits, so not wanting to be around a lot of people, kind of keeping to themselves, and never really attending like town events. They avoid eye contact and normal conversation with neighbors. It is said that these Aswang in human society are called Aswang Nabaklai, or daywalkers, and they sometimes have jobs, friends, and families. At night, however, they shapeshift in the, into their true predatory forms to satisfy their cravings for human blood. They are known to prey on people, but specifically corpses, small children, and fetuses still in utero. So going back to what I meant when Aswang rep- represent the inverse of Filipino values, this can also be seen in what they consider prey. So it eats corpses, which is considered taboo, because it's like you're supposed to respect the dead. Um, it eats children and fetuses because they're meant to be pure, innocent, and the most vulnerable of society. And, I mean, fetuses, it's not by itself. So it's 
usually like a pregnant woman that's being attacked and pregnant women are considered um, vulnerable in society. So accounts and witnesses vary, but they all have common characteristics of mostly being female, animal, or vampiric-like, having inverted feet, having a proboscis-like tongue, and using vocal manipulation. So these are like common characteristics that all of them share, and I'll get a little more into detail about the differences. So I had to look up what a proboscis is. A proboscis? Proboscis? Have I been saying that wrong this whole time? Yes, it's like what butterflies have. Yeah, so it's basically like a straw-like tongue like butterflies or mosquitoes have where it functions as a needle to puncture into something and then used for sucking. For the Aswang, it uses this tongue to suck blood from its victims and to suck the fetus out of a pregnant person's womb. Um, Regarding the vocal manipulation, it will imitate voices of loved ones to lure victims out at night or they will get quieter the closer it gets to their victims to make them believe that they're moving away from it. Remember that. They've also been described as being so thin they can hide behind bamboo posts, small trees, and streetlights. So they're they're skinny. According to folklore, there's a ceremony that can be performed by someone in order to become an aswang. The person would start by try- tying a fertilized chicken egg to their belly before going to sleep. During the night, the chick and the egg will pass from the egg to the stomach. When the person wakes up in the morning, they'll have an insatiable hunger for human flesh and blood. The hollow eggshell is then put into a bamboo piece and buried with coconut oil and chicken feces. Eventually, that person will gain the powers of an Aswang. So another way to become an Aswang is by inheritance. This involves a dying Aswang transferring the chick or the baby chick to someone else through their mouth in a form of either a black egg or a black bird coming out of their mouth. Um, Another way to become one is through infection. So, the saliva of an aswang is believed to be very potent and it will infect anyone that comes into contact with it or by consuming food that has come into contact with it. Ooh, that little chick part reminds me of that really good movie we watched on, I think it was Netflix or was it mm-hmm. Shudder? What, what was the movie? It was like, um, oh my god, it had Eva Green in it. And it was, she had a shirt factory in, in the Philippines. And she had ordered that they lock the door and a lot of people burn in the the uh, the factory. You know I don't think I watched that. You didn't? It was so good. It may, it may have been you and Brittany. Yeah. That sounds good. It. I mean, it, it was because the lady that had came over from the Philippines was like a witch. Yes, that was you and Brittany. I remember because I, I was, I don't know what I was doing, but I walked by a few times Okay, yeah, I remember. I don't no, remember we're in the movie. movie. You, everybody needs to watch that movie. Do you know what it's called? I don't remember. Uh, who was in it? So people can look it up. Eva Green. Can you spell that? E-V-A. Last name Green. Green. <laughs> okay, thank you. So legend says that there are certain ways to keep or to find out if someone is an Aswang in disguise. One way is by looking into their eyes. And if your reflection is upside down, they're not human. Another way is by turning around and looking at them upside down between your legs. If they appear different, they're not human. Another way is paying attention to who is, who doesn't enter holy consecrated grounds, like a church or a mosque, since it's believed that Aswan cannot enter these. Is that the name of the movie? Yes, it's Nocebo. Okay. I'll have to watch it. We can watch it tonight. Okay, so this is what I meant earlier. So the Aswan can be categorized into five general 
different categories that differ based on behavior, appearance, and region of origin. So because the Philippines spans like, what is it, like 1,700, maybe 17,000 islands, um, after they were unified, a lot of stories were kind of fused into this umbrella term meaning Aswang. So it's possible that they were different mythological creatures that eventually just got combined into one. Um, but the five categories are the vampire, the viscera, the viscera or organ sucker, the were dog or the were beast, the witch and the ghoul. So the first one is the vampire. This is the most basic form of the Aswang that distinguishes its, or disguises itself in the shape of a woman who may or may not reside in human society to live along its prey. It is believed that Aswang that take this form may marry someone to drain them from, uh, drain them little by little of blood. An example of this is the Mandurugo from the Capiz region of the country. These are also seen in the show Trece on Netflix. Like the main enemies or like a gang of Aswang. Um, and the ones portrayed are, are this version, the vampire. I miss that show so much. We should just rewatch it. I should. But I want like a second season. There were so many unanswered questions. They at the really end of do the need one. a second season. Sorry. Okay. So the second one is the viscera sucker or the organ sucker. So this is the mananangal or the tik tik. Said to again take the form of a beautiful woman during the day, but by night it grows wings, segments itself, and leaves its bottom half of its body hidden, hidden in, the, in the jungle while the rest of it goes out to hunt. Oh, hell no. So, <laughs> it's just like, I think it's um, like some oil, supposedly, like in folklore, it's like, it's an oil that it rubs on its belly that splits it in half. It grows wings and just kind of leaves its legs in the jungle. They say that about witches in Mexico, too. Yep. There is a lot their, of... There's a lot of overlap. Yes. I was going to say, there is a lot of things familiar here. Like, going through the research, I'm like, a lot of this sounds familiar. Um, a lot of things that we've covered, actually, in the podcast. Yeah. I recently read a story where a witch, or like a witch will pull her legs off mm-hmm. and then do backflips. And then Hello? on the last backflip it does, it turns into an owl. Ooh. But it leaves its legs wherever it is. Or like the bottom half of its torso. Mm-hmm. Very interesting. But anyways, keep going. Wow. Um, so it lives off the organs of its victims by consuming them through its tongue. And it has the preference of consuming fetuses. So the third one is the werebeast or the were-dog. An example of this is the sigbin. This is said to be either male or female during the day, but takes the form of a ferocious animal at night to attack unsuspecting victims that wander too far from their town. So dogs are the most common form that this is said to take, but it can also take the form of a cat, pig, dog, sorry, a bird, or etc. However, it is said that the transformation isn't always perfect, so it will look like a cross between a person with the body of an animal or that the animal like won't have a tail. Like, just something will be, like, weird about it. And I think the reason why it's so common for a dog is I think the Philippines doesn't have, like, natural large predators like other countries do. Like, in Europe, like, the version of this would be, like, a werewolf, where a wolf is considered, like, a apex predator. They're going to say colonizer. Okay. <laughs> um, <laughs> but 
um, the Philippines doesn't really have like large apex predators like that. So the biggest one is like a dog. Yeah. You know what that reminds me of actually? Hmm. Do you remember when we used to like binge watch Destination Truth and they had the episode about the Aswang? Mm-hmm. And they went to the church that was supposedly haunted by an Aswang, like, or the town was haunted by an Aswang. So they had to build a church next to the haunted tree that it lived in to try to get it to leave remember mm-hmm. and then one of the characters writer was like if i see if it turns into a fucking dog i'm out of here and the next thing you see is a little fucking dog standing staring yes, at her yes and it was like in the middle of the road right yes and it was just staring at her and she's like nope i'm out of here that's fucking insane Isn't that they that caught weird? that too yes we should rewatch that episode when we get a chance right now that after episode this. was actually like really good after this yes um Sorry. So the difference between this Aswang and the ones before it is that this one is said to not infiltrate human society. So it lives in the jungle in the trees, but only getting near human civilization when it hunts. Oh, and going back actually to that episode, Mm -hmm. the people that lived there were very specific about that noise that it made. The tick, 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 in the trees. Oh my God. And it was making that noise in that fucking tree. The thing is, is, um... I had to look up the sound exactly. It sounds like... Like clinking. Like... I'm sorry to all the noise that may be traumatized by that sound. But it sounds like a... Like, I don't know. I can't do it. But it sounds like a... Like chittering. Like ticking. Ooh, like Rice Krispies in a bowl when you just poured milk in them? Sure. (laughs) Sure. Um... So the next one is the witch. So these are said to be mankukulam, or witch practitioners that live in the very outskirts of human society. So the mankukulam eventually may become an aswang to gain more power and become stronger. These are said to be extremely vindictive and believed to put curse or sumpa on anyone who may have crossed them. Because it's believed that black magic doesn't work on innocent people, it's believed that their targets are usually thieves or adulterous spouses. These curses cause objects such as rice, bones, insects, or other small objects to come out of the bodily orifices of those affected. Sound familiar? Possession? In Mexico, nails come out of you. (laughs) Or you throw up bugs. Yep. Yeah. Rice, bones, insects, other small objects. Mm -hmm. Yeah. In Mexico, they... Yeah. I remember that one. It was like a video... I think my dad sent it to me of someone that was having like a, like a curandero was like, I don't know, doing an exorcism on someone and like staples started coming out of their mouth. Like mm-hmm. they started throwing up like staples and hair, nails, um, just objects that you know should not be there. There was one story that I listened to on YouTube. It was so long ago, but um, they, uh, this guy got cursed or he ate something at a bruja's house. Mm-hmm. And like when he started getting really sick, like dying. And then basically like he met a curandera that like lo curó or like they healed him. Mm-hmm. But like <clears throat> the curandera was like, be careful. Do not leave your house once you take this medication and you do your thing because you're going to see what happens. And the guy talks about how like when he would go to the bathroom he like had the worst diarrhea he's ever had in his life, mm-hmm. but that in his diarrhea there was crabs. 
like small crabs like from the ocean like like weird crabs oh my god like animals that's scary yeah that's gross sorry in continuation being touched by these aswang is believed to warp your soul and bring upon unexpected illnesses sound familiar so the last type of aswang is like well, i guess the general category is the ghoul so this is um example of this is the busao it's an aswang that resembles a human in appearance by daylight but live in large trees near cemeteries at night they are believed to live off of fresh corpses from funerals uh, they replace the bodies it consumes with trunks of banana trees using its shifting abilities to make the tree trunk appear like the person. So, not only can it shape shift itself, they it's also believed that they have the ability to like change the appearance of something. So, um, so what, some of the cases that I was reading, it was like, they will like kill someone and using their shape-shifting abilities, make, like, a tree trunk look like that person. They make them go home where they will have, like, a sudden illness. They pass away. So when they bury them, they're really just burying a tree trunk. That's really weird. Yeah. They try feeding uh, human flesh to humans in order to turn them into Aswang. Um, Too late. I like pork. Gross. They so pork t- tastes just like human meat. Let's not go there. Oh, yeah. That's a little morbid. So as for combating Aswang, there are some generally agreed upon methods of killing or repelling Aswang, while some types have specific methods. It's believed that garlic, salt, vinegar, holy water, or any other religious paraphernalia will kill or at least keep them away. And I think this also had a big... What had influence on this is like vampire beliefs from Europe. Uh, about like the garlic and things like that along with the items i just mentioned being decapitated or being whipped with a stingray tail will also kill them (gasps) other amulets that are believed to keep aswang away are red or black bead bracelets that are commonly given to babies in mexico they have those too para el mal ojo and ojo de venado yeah i just thought about my dad with his little stingray boots oh my little man ray boots oh he's untouchable no one's going to get near him. So for Aswa, or sorry, for Mananangal, one should search for the t- lower torso that it leaves in the jungle while it's out hunting and cover the exposed part with salt, ash, and garlic to prevent it from combining back together. Oh my god, that fucking video you showed me the Ooh, other night. Okay, yeah, sorry, that was traumatizing. But there um, is a video on TikTok of someone that stumbles upon the lower half of an individual their fucking guts look so weird not to get gory but yes if you guys would like just search up mananangal in tiktok it's m-a-n-a-n-a-n-g-g-a-l sorry did we did it stop playing because you opened tiktok anyway so for Basau, all corpses should be washed completely with vinegar and using uh, strong spices to repel them. So stories like the Aswang are so common in Southeast Asia that almost all surrounding countries have a version of it. This is kind of extra that I included, but for example, creatures like the Mananangal are found in Malaysia, known as the Penangal, 
in Thailand, known as the Krasue, Indonesia, known as the Leyak or Penanangalan, Vietnam, known as the Malai, and Japan, known as the Nukekubi. I will note that these creatures are not all the same, but many of their features and habits overlap a lot to the point where they are sort of like cousins in the folklore slash cryptid family. Like a lot of them have common characteristics. Right. Like uh, the Krasue in Thailand and the Malai in Vietnam. It's kind of the same thing, except instead of segmenting itself in its torso, it's said to segment its head. But when oh, it lifts up, when it lifts up, it takes all of its organs out. So all it leaves is it's anything from the neck down, but just like a hollow. Empty. Yeah. Um, the n- Nukekubi in Japan, I think that one's the biggest difference because it's kind of like a... It kind of just stretches its uh, neck really long. Even the Rokurokubi are kind of the same thing. Um but yeah, I thought it was interesting how it's like they're all female and it all involves like segmenting either the heads or their torso. So it's Only women could be that talented, honestly. <laughs> <clears throat> segmenting their torsos, detaching their heads. Period. So if a man got eight, he'd deserve it. I mean... <laughs> shut the fuck up! <laughs> so it's theorized that the legend of the aswang may have come about to bring reasoning or explanation for sudden miscarriages in ancient philippines during a time when medical knowledge wasn't understood yet another theory claims that it was the spanish colonizers who may have created the story of the aswang as a way to keep the local the local filipinos fearful um as um the like to keep the spanish in control this may not be entirely true though because although the spanish may have been the first to write down accounts of the aswang many traditions and legends in the philippines were passed on orally um the myth of the aswang may have also grown from a genetic disorder for uh like sorry x-linked dystonia parkinsonism called xdp or dystonia of panay which originated in the Capiz province of the Panay region of the Philippines, where ni- 93% of the cases can be traced. Um, where and this makes patients behave in a manner that could lead some to believe that it's an aswang transformation with body contortions and muscle spasms that cause the tongue to stick out. So this is actually a form of Parkinson's that was uh, discovered and recently actually the xdp gene was discovered in 2003 and medical study confirmed that all xdp carriers can be traced back to one common ancestor from the uh, from capis so it's a like a form of parkinson's where it makes your body behave a little differently um but it's believed that this may have influenced at least part of the legend of the aswang um, in recent news, in rural parts of the Philippines where belief in the Aswang is stronger, reported sightings have caused crowds of villagers to assemble in large groups to defend their towns from Aswang. In September 2014, in Lucena City, uh, groups of children walking home at night were attacked by what they described a large bird-like creature. During one of these attacks, a local man managed to injure the creature's right foot before it escaped. After some time, a woman suspected of being an Aswang was discovered to be missing several toes on her right foot. She was immediately arrested, but threatened. she threatened to harm the police officer's children. 
and was released and disappeared into the jungle, never to be seen again. In October of 2014, there had been so many reports of Aswang in the town of Tanawan that the military had to be called in to protect the townspeople. In April of 2015, a pair of Aswang had reportedly been badly injured and driven out of the town of Colombia by a vigilante mob and retaliation on attacks on children. In February of 2023, which is like a few months ago, uh, two young girls in Sitio Manga, Barangay Dumlog, in Talisay City, Cebu, witnessed a large creature with bat-like wings on a rooftop one night. Police were called out to the area, but were unable to find anything. This caused an almost citywide panic to the point where authorities had to hold a press conference to address the issue and calm residents. They assured them that they are taking the matter very seriously to ensure the safety of the community. They advised residents to refrain from spreading rumors as they may cause panic. The two young girls are said to be receiving counseling to help them overcome the traumatic sighting that they witnessed. Like they it's told serious. them to stop spreading rumors. Yes, because it was Damn, making. I would have been on that street corner, like, "Oh my god, y'all didn't know what just happened." It's like, "Oh, you don't know." Be like, "Ese chismoso sabe." Girl, except but in the Philippines, me. <laughs> so I, there were. That's basically like all general information of Aswang. I think I may have like missed a lot. So anyone that knows a little more is always welcome to like send us an email or a message on Instagram. Um, but now I have three encounters that I found online on Reddit. It was very hard finding these, honestly. Um, I think we've talked about it before where it's like, sometimes it is difficult looking for reliable sources that are more than like just a sentence long saying something like, oh yeah, my aunt encountered an Aswang. Like, Mm -hmm. I think everyone in the Philippines has like a, agreed upon that they know someone who may have encountered something weird but like they don't this. talk about it but they don't really talk about it or at least if they do talk about it they never they're never going to put it online it's word of mouth yes it's never going to be oh let me type out like these three paragraph stories but let me I was able to book. i was able to find three so the first is from the um subreddit no sleep by user Holly X turned me on. Sorry. <laughs> oh. Uh, the title is Filipino Folklorist de Manonangal. So they say, Hey, no sleep. I've been a lurker for a long time now and coming across a story about a Filipino, supposedly mythical creature. It kind of inspired me to write about an experience I had as a kid. It's hard for me to write and or tell about my experience since I really am not quite sure if it really happened or just something a frightened child with an overactive imagination just made up. But anyway, here goes my story. Um, I am born and raised in the Philippines and growing up, my parents, sorry, my grandparents often told me and my cousins stories of our rich, fear-filled culture. One in particular of the female monster we call the Mananangal. Just a little backstory, the Manonangal is a lady witch who can sever her body in half. The process is different among the places in the country, but the one my grandparents told us is that she has this magical oil she would massage onto her body, causing her to split in half and grow bat-like wings, leaving her lower half from waist down in her house in the woods while her upper half flies around in search of fetuses to devour upon. 
Now, in our village, stories went around that every once in a while, at around 3 a.m., Amanangal visits in search of pregnant ladies. An indicator would be a distinct and pungent smell of fish sauce and a sound of tik tik tik, apparently made as they fly. The thing about the ticking is that when it sounds faint or far, it means that the Mananangal is actually near. It is said that this was to confuse its victims. Now the story begins. I think I was seven at the time, and while everyone else in the family was asleep, I somehow couldn't bring myself to follow suit. I was restless, with nothing in particular in my head keeping me awake. I remember just laying there in bed, staring at the ceiling, when suddenly I hear a noise. Confused, I sat on my bed and looked around, nothing but darkness. I listened again. Tick, tick, tick. My eyes went wide open. If I knew how to swear at this time in my life, the Fs would be flying. I slammed my head back into my pillow, and as kids would normally do, I covered myself up in my magic blanket, trembling in fear. The noise kept on ticking. My heart was beating out my chest and I was on the verge of tears. I was weighing the options between screaming for my mom or not because screaming might alert something that might eat me up that I'm wide awake. I can't let that happen. Yes, I know the Mananangal went from pregnant ladies, but at that age, I thought everything could just eat me up. The ticking noise went away slowly and as if the one making it flew away. I sighed in relief, calmed a bit, and made the biggest mistake of my life, forgetting that when the tik-tik goes far, it means the Mananangal was near. After I removed my cover, bricks were shat. The bitch's grinning face was on my window, her bloodthirsty eyes looking into my frozen wide eyes. Mother of Jesus, I screamed and noped the fuck out of my room. I ran into my mother's room where she welcomed me into an embrace. By then, I think I may have passed out of fear. The next morning, my mother asked me what happened, and I told her what's up. She laughed at me and told me how imaginative kids are and how cute it was. This is why I still have my doubts, even after her face guarded to my memory. The thing, though, is, at that moment when my pregnant Yaya, or maid, served us our food, she overheard our conversation. I saw her freeze, and her eyes went wide. She looked at me and said, You saw her, too? And I cried. Fuck no. <laughs> That's your reaction? Mm, every time. Hell no. Could you imagine waking up in the middle of the night seeing some crazy ass shit in the window? face in the window? First That's of all, scary. why are there no curtains? And second of all, why are you looking out the window in the middle of the night? You don't know how his room was set up. I can tell you that I would not be looking out the window when I woke up. I would avert my eyes towards the other side I of the room. Just don't look. Yes. If you don't see it, it's not there. Okay. So, the second story, or the second encounter is actually a comment from the first story. It was submitted by user PolioMonkey. So, this person starts off laughing. A-H-A-H. Ha ha ha. Sorry. Well, you really read that. H-A-H-A-H-A-H-A-J-A-J-A-J-A. That's laughing in Spanish, actually. J-A-J-A. I remember stories from my mom told us, my brother and I, about the tic-tic when we were younger. Our mom was Filipino and our dad white, so we mainly spoke English in the house, but she always referred to the monster as tic-tic. My brothers and I grew up here in Canada, so the stories didn't really scare us, because we assumed it only happened in the Philippines. Well, that changed one night. 
One night, mom told us about her encounter. When my mom was growing up, her family didn't have too much money, but they did live a somewhat wealthy life back home. Her parents owned two restaurants, and her house was fairly big with many maids. One night, her and her sisters decided to all sleep together in the living room, as she referenced to, allowing us to picture what it looked like. They threw their blankets on the ground and all slept together in like a disorganized pile. Her parents came back that night to check on them, and when everything was in order, they both retreated back to their room. This was during the time my Lola was still pregnant with my uncle. My mom made note of that that night. Lola means like grandma. Uh, in the middle of the night, my mom woke up. She wasn't sure why she did, but she did. Trying to see if any of the sisters were awake, she eventually gave up and went to go grab a drink of water. As she walked through the empty house, she heard this distinct sound of tick, 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 tick. The way she produced this sound as she was telling us a story shot shivers through my spine, even to this day. Now, her Lola always told her stories of the tic-tic, but my mom was really headstrong and wasn't scared by much. After drinking her water, she continued to wander through the house, the sound still echoing in the distance. Eventually, she arrived outside her parents' room. Door closed, she knocked on the door. The tic-tic-tic-tic-tic stopped. She opened the door, and she swore she saw something jump from her parents' bed to the window, and then it was gone. There was more to that story, but it was more, like, not relevant to the story that he was talking about. Uh, Sorry, there was more to that comment, so. But yeah, she basically saved her brother. Wow. Because if it was, like, in her parents' room, that's fucking scary. So, the third story, it is kind of long. So, it's from subreddit paranormal like r slash paranormal by user tabs one two three so the aswang is the filipino version of the boogeyman there are many types from ghosts to mythical creatures to shapeshifters depending on the stories my experience happened when i was nine or eleven years old my mom and my two brothers seven and two slept in one bed i woke up in the middle of the night i sat up i was holding a throw pillow no blanket My right eye was covered while my left eye was open. What I saw shocked me. There were two women sitting on the bed. One I saw clear as day while the other was obstructed by my pillow. The woman had messy hair and skin kind of wrinkly, like a lizard, and maybe gray in color. They were just sitting there, very still and not moving, but not staring at me. I slowly lied down on the bed, As I was already lying on the bed, they started to move closer to me. I must have felt her skin because my foot felt something that was cold and had the texture of a diaper. I inched my way away from them, and they also inched their way closer to me. I kept moving away from them until I hit the corner wall. Our bed was on the corner of the room. I thought to myself, I'm fucked. Now, I didn't have a blanket. All I had was that throw pillow. I used it to cover my face. What happened next freaked me out. I heard a weird sound while they were doing something to my hair. I don't know if they were running their hands through my hair, but the sound seemed to go with it. At the time, I thought they were biting my hair and letting it run through their teeth. That sound I heard is like the sound when you scratch your arm, but in long, fast strokes. Then my mom must have sleep-talked because she yells out, Get away from here, you bad spirits. And then it stopped. I mustered up all my courage to open my eyes and see that they weren't around. 
I saw my brother had a blanket on, and I grabbed it. The blanket was wrapped tight around my brother, and I pulled as much as I could, and I only got about a foot of blanket to cover myself with. Now with this, now this blanket was skin tight on me, I started praying to myself. Then the freakiness started again. I feel hands feeling all over me, up and down my body, all the while hearing that scratching sound. I didn't sleep at all that night, and it felt like an eternity on that skin-tight blanket. I was so relieved when morning came. I told my mom about it, as she didn't believe me, even though I was shaking from fear. The next night, I slept close to my mom, and that I wanted the lamp to be left on, but she didn't want to. Later on that night, we heard flapping sounds. Really loud flapping sounds. There must have been two or three entities making these sounds. When the flapping stopped... My mom turned on the light and told me to go to sleep with my grandpa, because those flapping sounds could have been from a mananangal. My grandpa's room scared me even more because his window was only covered by bamboo, and it's a big window. My grandpa tells me not to cover myself with a blanket and that I shouldn't be afraid and that I should yell back at it to leave me alone. As I was trying to sleep, I started to hear voices. I asked my grandpa if he heard it too, and he said no. The voice was that of a man whispering a phrase over and over again, Tulog na mgabata, which literally translates to, Sleep now, children. Morning came, and my mom believed that I was afraid at night. Nighttime always scared me. Every night, I'd wake up feeling cold and warm at the same time. There was this one time I felt something weird touching or biting my legs, like how you fold your lips over your teeth and try to bite yourself. I would get vivid nightmares and I'd be moving really, really slow in them. I'd wake up in the middle of the night with someone, maybe my brother sleeping next to me, but when I turned on the flashlight I'm holding, they'd move away. There was this one time my mom and I woke up in the middle of the night. The power had gone out, our room was at the end of the hallway, and we kept the door open all the time. Our bed is situated so that you can see down the hallway. Well, on this particular night, we heard a loud click. Someone or something turned on the gas range. I could see the fire flicker down the hallway. Next, we heard footsteps, dancing footsteps, as if there were people dancing to the fire. They accidentally knocked down a cup, and they stopped for a while, and they started dancing again. My mom had the house blessed, but it still continued. And there was this one time when someone slept next to me, sat up, and immediately ran out of the room. I was thinking that the Aswang may have seen daylight and scurried out of the house, even though I didn't hear the front door or back door open and close. Another one was when my grandma came to visit, and out of the blue, she asked me if I wanted to sleep over at her house. That was the only time I slept through the night until morning without interruption. My mom had a witch doctor check me out. The witch doctor told me told my mom to watch over me next week, Thursday tuesday and thursday because they were going to take me away everyone in the house stayed up all night during tuesday but did nothing on thursday as nothing eventful happened on those dates this happened for two years the first year was rough the second not so much i'd only wake up in the middle of the night with someone lying next to me and not be there in the morning it wasn't until eight years later my sister told me that an aswang must have must have seen me and had a liking for me because we'd go rollerblading in a subdivision down the road from my house. It stopped when we returned to live in Guam. From my understanding, this Aswang might be a regular person with supernatural powers or something that her influence couldn't reach me from over a thousand miles away. Wow. 
Yeah. I always say that. Wow. But that was kind of freaky. It really was. The one where it's like the person laying next to him would suddenly just get up and run out of the room. That shit's fucking scary. I thought it was somebody spending the night and then it was like, no, it no, was, it was something, something else. And I'm like, what the fuck? Nope. Not me. Why'd you look down the hall like that? Because I feel something down the hall. Stop. Yeah. Imagine if, like, you were sleeping in the room by yourself, and you knew you were sleeping in the room by yourself, and you feel like something next to you. That's why I don't like it when you leave me in that bed by myself. (laughs) Because sometimes I think you're there, and then I, like, look over and there's nobody there, and I'm like, oh, I'm scared now. I could have sworn I felt your presence, and it wasn't you. Oh. Sorry. If it makes you feel any better, if there's anyone ever in there, I will destroy them. Okay. That reminds me of the other night when I was trying to sleep. I don't, I don't know where you were. I think you were, like, watching TV on the living room or something, and I was trying to sleep, and I opened my eyes a little bit, because I had wrapped my blanket, like, around myself, but I just left my face exposed. Um, and I opened my eyes, and fucking Leo was just standing right in front of me, just looking at me. I'm like, you motherfucker. Like, it felt like my heart jumped out of my chest. I'm like, you fucking said, hello. hello. He was just fucking looking at me like a weirdo. Hey, hey are you sleeping? <laughs> Sorry. Um, so that's, that's the end of it. That's, that is the Aswang. Damn. Yeah. That's a lot, huh? Yeah, Aswangs are scary. Now I really want to go watch that episode of uh, Destination Truth. Yes, write that down. Destination Truth and then that, that movie you suggested. Can you name yeah. it one more time just for everyone? Um, it was Nocebo. Okay. Can you spell that? N-O-C-E-B-O. It has Eva Green in it. And that's on Netflix? I think it was on Shudder. Okay. I recommend getting Shudder. And it's not... This is not sponsored. Um... <laughs> But there have been a lot of good movies that we've caught on Shutter. A lot of bad movies too. Yeah. But there's all <laughs> there's there's a few gems out there. But I kinda like that campy shit. Those weird I know fucking, fucking campy do. ones. Ugh. Oh, those movies are so fun. They're so bad. Yeah. Like fucking B list movies like the evil Winnie the Pooh or some shit. The evil Winnie the Pooh? Yeah. I oof. Do you mean blood and honey? <laughs> <laughs> Yes, I think you're I mis- you're mixing the Evil Dead and Winnie the Pooh in one. Oh, sorry. Okay, so do you have any anything? Um, in addition, no, no. I'm kind of excited for your palate cleanser. What we got? Okay, there is something serious. I did want to bring it up. Um, before I ramble on to other stupid shit in my palate cleanser, but the first one is um the Ladybird Lake Killer in Austin, Texas. So, this is from an article by the Daily Mail, which I know. Daily Mail. Flop. Uh, Fears of a Rainy Street Ripper, serial killer in Austin, after eighth body in less than a year is pulled from Lady Bird Lake in the city. So, there have been a total of eight people that have been found dead in the lake, Lady Bird Lake in Austin. Um, There is a Facebook group that was suggested to us by a friend of the pod, Ashley, that they're trying to piece together what exactly is happening. What the common denominator is. Yes. If it's like a specific like, like bar a, or a specific group of people or if it's a person. Mm-hmm. Because it's not, this is not normal for, yeah, like that type of pattern. I know you had mentioned that there was a possible theory. 
Do you want to talk about that? I don't remember what it was now. Do you want to talk about it? (laughs) You had said that it's possible that they believe it might be someone with easy access to like a nightclub. Specifically like maybe a bartender. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yes. People were throwing out... And granted, there's people on like both sides of the fence are saying like, no, we know most of the bartenders on Rainy Street and they're all good people. But there are other people that are like, it doesn't make sense. Like, why are these people are not just drunk? They were drugged. And who Mm -hmm. has access to people's drinks like that other than bartenders? Yeah. So. Some other people. So the same thing is happening in. uh, So it's happening in Austin and it's happening in Chicago now. So they there is a theory that it's and then somewhere else it's happening in three or four places at the same time, mm-hmm. and people are suggesting that it's like a group of people that are doing it, like an organized thing. Yes. Wow. There was this guy on TikTok that was taught. I don't remember what his name is, like Ken or something. Maybe I don't know, but um, he was investigating it and then he got really fucking weird about it because he was trying to sell his app. Ugh yeah and it was like it and for a while i like took him seriously Mm -hmm. and then all of a sudden he's like guys a private investigator just showed up to my door and it was like oh shut the fuck up unfollow done yeah gone that's that's so sad how people take advantage of like literal deaths and we don't usually i mean we do bring up true crime um but it's not it's not a common thing on the podcast since there's you know, like other stuff going on with paranormal stuff that we haven't covered that we really want to. Yeah. Um, but yeah, this is very scary. And we like, I mean, I liked Austin. I like being there. Like it was, a, it was nice when we visited. Um, it was fun. But it is scary to think that there is someone out there like, for what purpose? I don't know. I don't yeah. understand that. Very strange. So this is directly from the article. Investigators claim that they do not suspect foul play at this point in the investigation, but with so many bodies found in quick succession, residents remain fearful. A private Facebook group called Lady Bird Lake Serial Killer with more than 50,000 followers was created when Jason John's body was discovered in February. The autopsies for the men who died this year were not available, but police said their bodies showed no signs of trauma. Austin police said the cases remain under investigation with evidence being analyzed. They added that the cases shared a combination of alcohol and easy access points to the lake, which can be hard to see at night. However, they claim that while each incident occurred at the lake, the circumstances, exact location, and demographics surrounding these cases vary. Um, Investigators have not released details regarding the whereabouts of all the men before their deaths, but they revealed that two of them were seen on Rainy Street before their disappearances. Rainy Street is a vibrant area in Austin, known for its nightlife and boasts an array of bars, food food trucks, and restaurants. That's where we were going to um, one of the the haunted ghost tours. It was going to be on Rainy Street. This is so sad. Yeah. Someone was actually found alive in 2019, but sustained a hit in the head and bruised hands. And this is all, like, recent, too. So Mm -hmm. it's like... I don't know. The group, I, I know I mentioned that it was like 50,000 members, but the group has go, grown exponentially a lot more. Yeah, and that article is from last month. That um, The Facebook group like blew up on TikTok. Mm-hmm. Maybe like a month after we came back from Austin. Well, if you guys are in Austin, please be careful. 
please watch out yeah sorry i wanted to take out that heavy topic first because it was serious um before i start just stupid shit um i love (laughs) sorry first before you start i do want to apologize that kevin and i keep hitting our surroundings you're probably going to be able to hear it on the recording but we're still getting used to our like new setup yes because i keep hearing you step on your microphone over and over during you talking and i know you're not going to be edit be able to edit it out probably not so so just bear with us we are trying to get like we're too animated we move around too much booms is that what they're called mic booms yeah like desk booms desk Desk mic things anyways go back to what you were saying so they like cling onto the desk instead of us kicking on them yeah it's a work in progress so i love videos of like cleaning old rugs that look like they came out of like the old testament do you watch those i love those videos fucking love those videos man they're very satisfying they really are when they pour like the cleanser or the cleaner the cleanser like it was skin (laughs) the cleaner and then they're putting like that high pressure water and they're using the squeegee to squeegee out like the dirt and stuff out of it love that then they bring out that fucking that little that little machine that has brushes on it and it spins really fast and goes fucking love those Uh, i will stay entertained (laughs) those are very therapeutic yep just watching them clean the rug usually um what is that those videos um there's a word for them like sorry i'm not making sense but like the videos where people will say a story and then they include like someone on minecraft like jumping from block to block what are those things called i don't know but i really enjoyed those videos like visual something or like the one where it's like some guy on like a track and he's like collecting coins and it's like a game on an app. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, anyway, I saw a TikTok of some girl that's like explaining a story, but some the guy recording is like not paying attention, and then she puts on a video of um, like the Minecraft character, and it's like me, twenty three, female. Am I the asshole? <laughs> like very formatted. Oh, I love those. Yeah, I um, I love in the middle of the night. Sometimes when I can't sleep and I'm watching like uh, TikTok videos, Mm -hmm. there is a couple of channels. All the channel is dedicated to is Minecraft music and the Minecraft character jumping on blocks, (laughs) and that's all they do. They just jump, jump, jump. See, what are those called? There's something. They're visual something. There's a name for it. Simulation. I don't know. Maybe that sounds right. The ones that you're talking about is the the people record those lives that mm-hmm. I'm talking about and they'll like split screen it and then they'll show like the top part is like that that video of them like uh of the Minecraft character jumping on the blocks and then mm-hmm. the bottom part is like somebody cooking food and yes. it's like a story of like it, or like cutting clay or something. Yes. Yes. But Why it's like to so keep entertaining. You, those are very entertaining. Is something wrong with me? No, it's not. It's very like uh like it scratches a part of your brain it like does the visual and it does the audio yeah it's very they should do that at school (laughs) that'll keep a lot of people fucking entertained i'm so serious like i'm so serious talking through a math problem watching a a minecraft character jump across blocks and where it's jumping on the blocks is always so pretty i'm like wow yes like i'll never be able to build that beautiful yeah 
I oh, that was love weird. We that. said that at the same time. We were like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Just did it again. <laughs> We've been hanging out for too long. Uh, yeah, no. We're gonna have get to the get the fuck out divorce. of my house. Your house. Fuck out of my house. Okay. Um, I'm keeping the cats. Sorry, another few things. They're probably a little more serious. Um, what's with people recording others in public for TikTok without their wanted consent? Have you noticed that? I feel like I've seen a lot of TikToks, especially recently, where it's like someone will be like making fun of someone else, like on, even out on the street, just recording them just to laugh at them. One of them that I'm thinking about right now is a lady that she's like yelling at someone as they're driving by. And when they drive past her, the woman's just like making eye contact and then she kind of puts out the peace sign. Was like, yeah, that's funny. But don't just record strangers. Don't do that. That is really weird. I think, um, like, I feel like that's an American thing, to be honest. That's a generalized. Well, we all have cameras in our hands. And while that has changed a lot of things for the better, it has made people like more like they don't realize that they're crossing boundaries by recording yes. children yep. or recording like uh, people doing certain things, you know? Mm-hmm. And it's just weird. It's always best to just ask sometimes. It's like, hey, is it okay if I record you doing this? Because if they say no, then just be like, all right, I guess I'm going to remember it and just describe it in detail to my friends. Oh, the other day I watched a TikTok where this uh, this beauty guru, not beauty guru, but she like works out a lot mm-hmm. and she lives in the UK. She goes up to people and she like sets up her tripod and she's like, hey, I'm so sorry. I'm about to record. And every time the person that was behind her rec- like on a machine in the gym mm-hmm. was like, oh, my gosh, I'm so sorry. Let me move to another machine. And she's like, no. You can stay there. I want you to be in my video. But if you don't want to be in the video, you can get up and go somewhere else. Mm. She was just asking. Yeah. I think that's a very European type of mentality, especially because a lot of European countries, Germany, a big one, is that they have huge laws against recording someone without their consent. Um, And I know in like a lot of East Asian countries too, like especially for children, like you do not record a child without blurring their face yeah. things like that especially how you don't you don't know the type of fucking people that are going to be you put something out on the internet you don't know who's fuck's going to watch it you know uh the thing that i can think about right now is like recently i and i may be misremembering this but it was a model mm-hmm. that took a picture of another lady in a locker room and she was naked mm-hmm. you couldn't see very much right like you it wasn't like a full frontal. It was like a side view, but she was kind of uh, a bigger woman. Mm-hmm. And she posted it and she was like, this woman is disgusting. Oh, and that lady went to jail <laughs> for posting that picture online. Like she got arrested. Her ass got arrested. Well, what the fuck was she expecting? She thought she was being funny as fuck. See, that's two things that we just brought up now. One, recording people without the consent to make fun of them. And two, there's laws for this. And she was distributing that picture online, actually. That's fucked. Yeah. Man. That's really fucked up. I think it might have been in the United States and I'm misremembering, or I want to say that it was like in Europe and she went to jail. They were like, bitch, you're going to jail. Yeah. Right. I, I know a lot of countries in Europe do not play around with stuff like that. No. Like, even if... There's just a lot of privacy laws in a lot of different countries. It's not just like the US where you just... Do Everyone want. wants to be an influencer no, and just... 
You can just start recording wherever, and everyone will just kind of be okay with it. Hi, yeah. I'm going to videotape this restaurant. Can you give me a discount while I'm here? Because I'm videotaping, you're going to get a lot of people coming yeah, in here. Yeah, that's fucking weird. Um, that was yeah. like two different things, but still, that's another one of my pet peeves. <laughs> when people ask for free food? When they're like, I'm an influencer. Can I get stuff for free? It's like, who or are like, you? Can I pay you an exposure? And I'm like, exposure is not going to feed my children, aka yeah. my cats. I can't buy cat food with exposure. <laughs> my two kids, them? Yeah. Yeah. They're being good today, so... They got expensive taste. They like, um... Imes. <laughs> <laughs> but they like their cat treats to be from Trader Joe's. Period. <sighs> they're fancy feast bitches. No, they're not. No, they're not. Um, They're trash cats. They're raccoons, basically. They're feral raccoons. We've been lying this whole time. They're wombats. <laughs> they're not cats. <laughs> But, um, yeah, I know what you mean. Like, people saying, like, oh, no, I don't want to pay you for your service. I think I'm basically doing you a favor. Yeah. It's like, what if I bring a knife to your how house? How about I do... <laughs> how about I do you a favor and beat your ass? <laughs> like, you want to ass beat? Just ass, bitch. But that's fucked up. And especially, like, a lot of um, design... Not designers. Like, graphic artists, a lot of photographers, a lot of... People that provide a service where others don't see them as, like, a real quote-unquote job. Where it's like, this isn't just a fucking hobby. Like, I'm a fucking photographer, bitch. Yeah. No, you can't just fucking give me a discount. This is my price. Sorry, that was me. Like, this is my price. If you don't want to fucking pay it, go ask your fucking cousin with, to record it off his fucking Android. Most of the time, those people are like, they will give you professional quality for it. Mm-hmm. you just have to pay for their services that's why i don't mind paying for stuff yeah i could never in my life to like i'm too humble for that to yeah. be like can you give me a discount or can you give me Oof. can you give it to me for free not not in my ethnic household <laughs> no, not in my not. ethnic household i will be asking no. for that now, if it's, like, Bath and Body or something, let me just fucking steal stuff real quick <laughs> and put that little like lotion in my bag. Out there? Yeah, that's different. But that's if different. it's, like, somebody that's, like, doing us a service and mm-hmm. they're, like, a, in business for themselves, no, I could never do that. Yeah. Exactly. Not in my ethnic household. No. Like, not. you will never see me. And I've explained this to at work where it's, like, um, especially being, like, Mexican, growing up in a Mexican household, there's always that sense of like trying to out humble each other you know what i mean that and i almost want to say that it's like a feeling of nothing really belongs to you yeah what's like oh this oh it's nothing it's nothing what's like all the uncles they may have like new like their cars are all like brand new they all got fucking fancy as like clothes nice house but they'll always be like humble towards like oh this whole thing like they won't ever like rub it in your face or at least not intentionally. Mm. I'm talking about more like the things that you have mm-hmm. were given to you, so they're not really yours and they can be taken away at any time. So you have to be appreciative of them. Maybe I didn't understand. Yeah. I was talking about a, a different thing. Or like even Miss Emily told me the other day, friend of the pod, mm-hmm. when I was like, um, what did you need us to bring to your birthday? Because I'm not showing up empty handed and do not make me show up with nothing, please. Cause I will stress out about it the whole night. 
Yeah. And she's like, girl, you're foreign, just like me. And I'm like, yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> We're from the Latina belt. Latinas. Yeah. She might be Vietnamese and we might be Mexican, but it's it's the Latina belt. It's so crazy. I've mentioned it in a previous episode, but it's crazy how it's like the children of immigrants always have like so much more in common than like our counterparts caucasian american counterparts yeah well it's like even culturally like it's it's crazy there's yeah. a lot of overlap we all eat tripitas and they're so delicious <laughs> mm. yum yeah i but i've explained it at work definitely where it's like that's primarily why i feel like i'm so bad at like interviews like job interviews where it's like you have to sell yourself and you have to like talk about your achievements it's like for me it's like, oh, I might be the fucking best at my fucking job, like number one at the fucking company, but I'm never gonna brag about that. Mm-hmm. After I just, I did. have no problem. I put a mask on. I say right now I'm not me, and I'm trying to I'm trying to make some money. Yeah, I, I don't know. For me, it's very hard. It's very hard trying to, and I know everyone says that. It's like, oh, he's so humble. It's like no, like for me, I find it extremely hard to like brag about myself. Yeah. Let's work on that. No. No, let's. Even if I'm a fucking millionaire, I'm still going to be fucking shopping at H&M with <laughs> all the clothes that's like, una lavada, that shirt's falling apart. Uh, those are my favorite. <laughs> that one wear, though. It, that one wear, oh, it looks bust, great. People are, like, I look everybody's good. asking, like, where'd you where get that you shirt? Get that from? Exactly. Yeah. It's like, no. oh, this whole thing. <laughs> Actually, I w- we were talking about, I'm, I mean, we're like getting really into it, but... I was talking about fast fashion with a coworker the other day, mm-hmm. and she said that she does not buy fast fashion. Okay. And she suggests people do not buy fast fashion items of clothing, which okay. I then told her, I'm like, you know what? What you say is good practice, but it's coming from a place of privilege because sometimes people can't afford those higher priced clothing items. Mm-hmm. that maybe last a little longer and they can only afford to purchase a shirt that's only going to you know be useful for a, a year or so before mm-hmm. it's you know versus something that's going to last you for 5 6 years. I know what you mean. Like yeah. would you rather buy this like nice shirt for $25 or buy like this other shirt for like $6 and then it lasts you for a while, you know? Yeah. At least it'll hold you over for a few months. Mm-hmm. So and she, I, I don't think she ever thought about it that way. And I was like, what you're saying is great in practice. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, but that's coming from your place of privilege. Yeah. Sure. I mean, there's always thrifting. Thrifting yeah. will always be there. Yeah. But with thrifting, I mean, everyone kind of has their own tastes. Mm-hmm. You can tell, especially in thrifting, that trends come and go. And that sometimes it and is... cyclical. Yeah. They come back. Sometimes it is hard looking for stuff. But then you also find, like, really good stuff a few years after. It's like, oh, this yeah. would have been really good right now. So, what so, else do we have? We, like, went off on a tangent. Sorry. Okay, last thing. Last thing, because it's been on TikTok for some time. The new anti-immigration law um, from in Florida. Fuck DeSantis. So, oh, my God. Why the fuck is it? So... This was on May 10th, so a few days ago. The governor of Florida has now signed into law SB 1718, a law that discriminates against undocumented people and makes it harder for all Floridians to thrive. 
So that was posted by United We Dream. I don't really know the full details, and from what I understand is that it's supposed to take effect in July of this year. But basically, it's discriminating against undocumented individuals that even if you have a driver's license from a different state, if you are undocumented in Florida, you can still face prosecution and deportation. Which is fucking scary, because... Even now, a lot of people are seeing the effects of it where people are abandoning their jobs. People are moving. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I saw on TikTok of someone talking about... They're from Illinois, and they're like, I just saw someone like with Florida license plates with all of their belongings in like, the back of their truck. It's like people are Pulling fucking in. abandoning stuff, like mm-hmm. abandoning Florida. And it's scary. And I know that it's easy to point at the people taking over the new jobs what's like here americans you know here are your jobs you guys are saying that immigrants are taking your jobs like well here they are it's like those people are trying their best too so let's like don't even if they're like carpentership did you see that video i'm talking about absolutely not it was someone hammering nails into a piece of wood to kind of go like this with the wood but they were had the piece of wood, hammered the nails, and then stuck the other piece of wood in. I don't know. It was just wrong. I don't know how to describe it in words. Um, they're trying their best. <laughs> <laughs> they're trying. They're trying. But I don't think people realize how essential um, immigration is to the country and how Latinos and Hispanic make a huge portion of the workforce. That and how ignorant some people are. Yes. I think there's because, more. Because um, I was watching um, kind of like a video where this American person was under the impression they were like, this is going to go back to how it used to be, like how things were done back in the day. Yeah. And the guy that stitched the video was like, I don't think you realize this, but black people built infrastructure when they were slaves. So most of what you see was built by black people when they had when when they were made to do it forcibly. And a yeah. lot of people in the comments were like lighting it up. They're like this is so right. Like I mean, I guess like people aren't realizing that like we've never had like a f- a workforce that hasn't been taken advantage of, uh, exploited. Yeah, they've mm-hmm. Like, this country has been built on the backs of exploited people from the very fucking beginning. Yep. And a lot of people are very fucking privileged and uneducated and stupid enough to believe that they're like, this is going to be for the better, but it's like, no, baby. Better for whom? Exactly. Exactly. It's (laughs) not for anybody because it's always been, there always has been a group of exploited people that have built infrastructure or built the, like, the foundation of this country. Mm Mm-hmm for for cheap on the low yes i think americans have a mentality where it's like they are just a millionaire in waiting where it's we've like, talked about this before like it's you're like, not it's sold to them that okay you may not be rich right now i know you're living like in a trailer there's nothing wrong with living in a trailer park mm-hmm. i know you don't have a college education and you've never worked anywhere else other than mcdonald's and you live in a trailer park but like we promise it's the American dream. You're American. Yeah. You're white. You're gonna be. Like, you're gonna you, be rich. You being American is just 
privileged enough as it is. Like you're gonna you're be just rich. a millionaire and, and waiting. By the yeah. time you're sixty five, you're gonna be rich, I swear. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people don't realize that the wage disparity is so fucking large now that they'll never make it. They'll yeah. never make it out of their 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 uh, what is it called? Their um middle class, upper middle class, what is that called? Their social class. They're never gonna make it out of their mm-hmm. social class. Yeah. Um yeah, I think that that's why a lot of people are okay with having that type of mentality where it's like, oh, we're going back to the good old days because they see it as once I'm a millionaire, I'm going to get to reap the benefits of exploiting workers too. Um, but it's like, mama, you think you're making that money? You think you think that money's going to trickle down to you? What type of fucking Reaganomics is that, mama? Yeah. Let's no. think. Let's do some research. Anyway, besides the point, before we get too political, it goes... Um, that's okay we're not afraid to one last thing that is on topic Suja yeah so her and Ed they have this podcast called What in the Shibal where it's um, Shibal Dakcho do you know what that means? yes what does it mean? <laughs> it's a curse word so Shibal means uh, fuck in Korean um so the podcast is called What in the Shival. Uh, it has Suja and Ed that talk about the Asian community in America. And one episode that really, well, it was like a clip I found on TikTok. I I've honestly haven't taken the time to listen to them on podcast format. But the po- the episode that, the clip that really stuck out to me the most, where I was like fucking tearing up over here. And I couldn't find it. But it was one where they were talking about language... And growing up uh, with parents that didn't speak English, which, I mean, we find relatable. Oh, I, know which, I know which one you're talking about. Um, but Ed mentioned about what time where he's like, I was embarrassed to hear my mom speak English English, because she wasn't good at it. And um, it got to the point where like he would like yell at her and say, like, stop, stop speaking English. Like, I'll do it for you. Where it's like... Um, and even Sujia agreed and she gave her example of what it felt like where she was like embarrassed to hear like her um hear her like heritage language i think it's korean but it's like to them it was like embarrassing hearing their parents speak and now it's like as adults their parents are like afraid to speak english in front of them where it's like i see the look that my mom looks at like gives me when i when she speaks English, because it's like she thinks I'm gonna, like, yell at her again. And to me, I was like, that's, like, that shit hurted. I was. We did that too. Yeah, and I think it is embarrassing to admit that. I mean, we were. A lot of children of immigrants were like raised to, or grew up in an environment where they were like they eventually like hated themselves for some time. Mm-hmm. We've talked about it before in previous episodes, but it very much felt like we were outsiders and we did not want to be outsiders. We like, wanted to be in like, we, no, like we're, we're just like you guys. Mm-hmm. Don't listen to those people speaking Spanish. Well, it's like, now that we're older, it's like, we understand that there is like a beauty to being different. And it, I don't think it's ever too late, but for them in that episode, I was like shook that their experience was so similar to us. But you guys should definitely check them out. It's uh, What in the Shibal with Suja and Ed. 
S H I B A L. Yes. So jumping into your story. Yes. All right. So my mentality about these story, this story right here, mm-hmm. is that um, when we see ghost videos, when we like talk about ghosts and stuff, we're always talking about like Japanese ghosts, Thai ghosts, Malaysian ghosts, because they're scary as fuck. Mm-hmm. But I wanted to talk about some legends in the spirit of Asian and Pacific Islander Month, right? Yeah. Some of my favorite legends that I looked up from Hawaii. Some of these I had heard about before. Some of them I had heard for the first time. Um, And so we're kind of just going to go over a few of them. They're very interesting. Um, The first one that I want to talk about is called the Night Marchers. I heard of them. Yes. So in Hawaiian mythology, Night Marchers are ghosts of ancient Hawaiian warriors. Night Marchers are the vanguards or like the people that would travel with the chiefs and chiefesses and kind of like take them to where they needed to go. They, they're kind of like their posse that protected them around them and stuff like that. So, in case anybody doesn't know what a vanguard is. It was kind of like a march. Like a bodyguard? Yes. On the nights honoring the Hawaiian gods Kane, Ku, Lono, or on the nights of Kanaloa, they are said to arise from their burial sites or to walk out from the ocean and march in a large group to ancient Hawaiian battle sites or other sacred places. The legend says that night marchers are normal-sized warriors dressed for bear, uh, battle carrying spears and clubs. Some beat war drums and blow tones from their conch shells to announce the advancing of their march. According to the myth, they are suspended in the air. Their feet do not touch the water or, or ground as they traverse through the night and they leave no evidence of their visit. But you can hear them marching when, they, when they're coming down. They mostly march in darkness after sunset and do, do so as a group in, uh, just until before the sun rises. Anyone living along their path may hear chanting, sounds of blowing conch shells, and marching noises in the night. Typical signs that alert the presence of the night marchers are a foul and musky death-like odor, and torches or light sources getting brighter and brighter as the night marchers get closer and closer. Super freaky. Night night marchers may appear during the day if they are escorting a dying relative to the spirit world. Ancient Hawaiians' beliefs state that any living person who turns their gaze towards or does anything that may be interpreted as defiant is said to die violently. Some people maintain that if a living person lies motionless, face down on the ground, they are showing proper respect, fear, and deference to the night marchers, ultimately sparing their lives. Additionally, living people can avoid harm or death from night marchers by being fortunate enough to have an ancient ancestor marcher present that recognizes them. As they encounter their descendants, they will call out Nau, which means mine in Hawaiian. No one in the warrior procession will harm them. The night march or ceremony is said to reflect the taste of the honored warrior leader. This was very interesting to me. Mm -hmm. A Hawaiian king or chief that is known to be fond of music would be honored with a lot of drumming and chanting. If the king or chief enjoyed peace and quiet, the march would then be as silent as possible for the duration of it. If the king or chief did not like walking, it is said that the warriors in the procession would carry them uh, would carry them inside of like a sort of sling or hold them up while they walked. Mm-hmm. Very interesting. In ancient Hawaiian lore, the laws declared body parts of a king or chief to be sacred and not to be seen by a mortal. The punishment for looking at these sacred body parts is said to always end in instant death, usually by bolts of intense light and flaming heat originating from the uh, from several of the night marcher warriors' eyes. Oh my god. So this is why it says to not look at them. Because if you look at them, they'll see you and then they'll like fucking burn you like Superman with their heat vision. Shit. 
if you're said to like look at night marchers while they're marching, you're supposed to like lay down motionless on the ground. Some people even say that you should defecate yourself so that the night marchers will think that you're sick and can't join their night the night marchers like oh my god through the procession because they'll make uh-huh. you join them they'll kill you too so that you can join them wow yes so <clears throat> anyways the violating mortal is incinerated instantly and the only thing left is disappearing vapors of steam if a king or chief's face was not supposed to be observed the king or chief would leave the assembled night marchers from the front if his back was not to be looked upon he would be in the back of the assembled group However, for some chiefs, no part of them was forbidden to be looked at by mortals. These chiefs would march among their warriors in the group. Some marchers are joined by the Hawaiian gods. The torches are said to burn brighter these nights. The largest torches are carried one at the front, one in the back, with three within the group. So one in the front, one in the back, and one in the middle. And they're huge torches that that they carry around. Mm -hmm. Uh, The number five is significant in Hawaiian mythology. In the night marchers with Hawaiian gods present... There are six gods, three male, three female. It is said that the goddess named, which the shortened version is Hiaikia, is often with the night marchers. The composition of the night marchers is extremely varied, as in female or male. Okay. So it's just a lot of people. And um, I'm trying to find a story like that I could like plug in here as you see story goes here. But mm-hmm. a lot of these stories are like verbal. And they're not written down exactly like what you ran into with the um, a swang. Mm-hmm. But I thought these were so interesting. The night marchers were so interesting. It's like people are very afraid of running into the night marchers. Shit, I would. Yeah. Do you have any Hawaiian words that you need help with pronouncing? Yeah. Can you help? Can you help me pronounce this one? Hiiaka. Yes, if there's a comma, it's usually a glottal stop. So, like the other word, mine, is na-u, where it's like you stop after the vowel. Okay. So, before I pronounce hi-iaka wrong, so it's hi-iaka. Okay. Okay, anyways. So, this one's going to sound kind of familiar. Okay. The next legend that I looked up was the Green Lady of Wahiawa. Okay, I don't know any green ladies. Okay, okay, okay. The green lady of Wahiawa, or simply the green lady, is supposedly a woman who visited Wahiawa Gulch and Wahiawa Botanical Garden area with her children many years ago. In some versions of the story, it is said that the mother would cross the gulch instead of crossing the overhead bridge or any roads as she was deathly afraid that the cars traveling on the road would hit one of her children. Regardless... On one of those trips that she traversed the gulch, one of her children got lost in the forest and was never found again. In some versions of the story, she went looking for help to find the missing child and nobody would help her. So she returned to the forest with her other children, but none of them were seen ever again. The mother was so torn up over the loss of her child that she eventually died because of the grief and stress of it all. To this day, she haunts the Wahiawa Gulch area along the Wahiawa Botanical Garden area and even the Wahiawa Elementary School area. The ghostly woman is said to be green in appearance, uh, hence the name Green Lady, and also have green fish-like scales along with jagged teeth and hair that is covered in seaweed. Obviously not something you'd want to run into in the dark spooky forest. As if that wasn't scary enough, it is also said that she is looking for her missing children and will take any child she comes across. She wails. 
Oh my god. Yes. The green woman also has a very bad smell, likely because of the rotting plant matter that covers her body. So many who suddenly smell the odor of decaying plant material believe that means she is nearby. To this day, young children are warned not to travel into the gulch or the green lady will snatch them away. She's basically Hawaiian's Yorona. Hawaii's, Hawaii's what Yorona. What the fuck is she doing out there? <laughs> what is she doing out there? First of all, she changed colors. What makes her green? I may have missed that part. You said it was like seaweed or something? Yes. She's covered in green plant matter. But why is she green? Why does she do that? She got lost in the forest. She I don't know. lost in the south. Not the sauce, the forest. The forest. But yeah, there's been a lot of reports of actually people seeing people seeing her or hearing her in the gulch. That's fucking scary because like of wailing. the way you described um, her being like, like fish scales. Very, I don't know. Um, I would not want to see that in the forest. Oh, and then the jagged teeth. They're like sharp teeth. Oh yeah, teeth. that too. At least that Yorona, like the Mexican Yorona doesn't have sharp teeth. <laughs> like she just has You like, never know no teeth or like broken ass teeth teeth. or whatever they fucking look like and this one has sharp teeth okay so there's quite a bit of crossover here Mm -hmm. the next one is the menehune have you ever heard of them it sounds familiar okay i think it was an episode of destination truth maybe oh my god a hawaiian legend has that many centuries ago the menehune were a mischievous group of small people or dwarfs who lived hidden in the forests and valleys of the island before the first settler, settlers arrived from Polynesia. Oh my god. They got duendes out there? <laughs> they have a what? lot of crows How did over. They get <laughs> These menehune who roamed the deep forest at night were said to be about two feet tall, though some were as tiny as six inches, small enough to fit in the palm of a hand. They enjoyed dancing, singing, and archery, and their favorite foods were bananas and fish. The Menehune have been known to use magic arrows to pierce the heart of angry people, igniting feelings of love instead. They also enjoy cliff diving, and according to local legend, they were smart, extremely strong for their stature, and were excellent at crafting. They were rarely seen by human eyes and are credited with awesome feats of engineering that seem to have sprung up overnight. In the past, it is said that their great strength uh, built Heiau, Fish ponds, roads, canoes, and houses. And a heiau is like a... Um, I took it out of here. It's like a... Is it's it like a, a... It's a building. Like a big meeting house? Yes. Mm-hmm. One of the structures that is said to have been built by them is Kikiaola, also known as the Manihune Ditch. This is a historical irrigation ditch that funnels water from Waimeo River on Kauai. Another widely recognized feat is the legendary overnight creation of, of the Alecoco fish pond on Kauai. Archaeologists date this construction back to about a thousand years ago. It is said it is said they built the Alecoco fish pond for a princess and her brother. The shy but strong group lined up in a double row that stretched 25 miles to, the, to distant Makaweli. The workers passed stones hand to hand to build the pond. They worked at night so as not so as not to be seen by others cutting, transporting, and fitting stones for their projects in a long bucket brigade. If they were discovered their work would have been abandoned. The men, the Menehune were promised no one would watch them at work, which was carried out after dark. However, one night the royal siblings snuck up and watched the thousands of Menehune at work, only to fall asleep. At sunrise, the Menehune discovered them and turned them into twin stone pillars that can be seen today in the mountains above the fish pond. Interrupted by the sun, the Menehune left two gaps in the fish pond wall. Many generations later, Chinese settlers filled the gaps to raise mullet, but the stonework 
that closed the gap was far inferior to that of the mystical Menehune. What? So they could tell that like when they filled these two gaps, mm-hmm. it was not the same construction as the Menehune people said to have like they said yeah. to have been very skilled in what they did. Mm-hmm. And to like this day, these items that were built by the Menehune people, no one actually knows who built them. That's insane. Very interesting. That's like um like how there was um oh fuck, what the fuck am I saying? There's like a specific type of brick or like a cement that was made in like ancient Rome that nobody knows how to recreate anymore. Um there's not anything like mythical about it. It like sorry. repairs itself, right? Something like that. It they used a lot well, of it's like ash. it's durable. Yes. They used yeah. ash to in the mix to make the um to make the cement or the stonework that they did. Mm-hmm. So it's almost like when it gets cracked, it repairs itself. That's why it's so durable. But anyways, that's fucking insane. That's just what, that's what it reminded me of when it's like, um, they knew something. I don't know. They did. Another description that has been passed down in local folklore is of three Minahuni of Anaho. Anaho is a forest on the north side of ha- uh, the Halaikala crater on Maui. The three Menehune were called Ha'alulu, Molawa, and Ilu. All the other Menehune living in Hawaii knew them well because they possessed very unusual powers. The Ha'alulu means to tremble, and it seems like this, these little men were always cold. But uh, his magic gift was that w- whenever he wanted, he would start shaking, he would become invisible, and could travel anywhere without being detected. Elau in Hawaii uh, in Hawaiian means quick and nimble, and whenever Elau moved, he was so quick that he disappeared and no one could follow him. Molowa's uh, name means lazy, but what most people didn't know was that whenever he appeared to be sleeping or lazy, his magical self became Im- imperceptible, and he would go around the island and go do good deeds. Wow. So they were named after like the power that they could do, which mm-hmm. I thought was like really interesting. Even though the Menehune were said to be displaced when the first settlers settlers arrived in Hawaii, some people still believe that the Menehune are roaming the islands, carrying out tricks on people. Indeed, an 1820 census of Kauai listed 65 people as Menehune. Other Hawaiian myth- uh, mythology records refer to a few other forest-dwelling races, the Nawau, who were large and wild hunters descended from the Lua Nu'u, the Mu people, and the Wa people. Though these stories are legendary, there might be some truth to them after all. The theory is that prior to the Polynesians, settlers from the Marquesas Islands arrived in Hawaii, which were later followed by the Tahitians. The Menehune were already inhabiting the islands when the new settlers from Tahiti came in and began oppressing them, labeling them as Menehune or commoner in the Tahitian language. They were ultimately forced to flee to the mountains and valleys where they could remain hidden. Due to their oppression, the Menehune were seen as having low social status which possibly contributed to their later description as being small. So they could have actually been people that were exploited way back in the day. That's insane. Very interesting. I've never heard of these. I mean, that last part. The Menehune. um, When I was reading a lot of the other stories, they also reminded me a lot of uh, the Wendas because they played tricks on people. They could be very mean. Like if, if they didn't like you, they would steal your stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, like your stuff would go missing. Um, and then I think I remember telling you that like it said that if you ever catch a Menehune like in the forest, mm-hmm. that when you see them with your eyes, you'll turn to stone where you stand. 
Ooh. So, very interesting. And the statues of the siblings that it's talking about uh-huh. are really cool. Because I thought they were just rocks, and they're actually statues. Do they look like people? Yes. Not like people standing, but they look like almost like um the uh, the big heads on Easter Island. Mm-hmm. Like that kind. Mm, okay. Very interesting. Okay. These were very interesting to me, the mo'o. The dreaded mo'o, or gi- gigantic lizards, are the shapeshifters of Hawaiian legend. They are described as lizards or a reptile of any kind and size that, w- that could become a dragon, a serpent, or a water spirit. Guardians of streams, waterfalls, or lakes, they were most time they were most oftentimes female, and in some instances take the form of beautiful women. An exception being Panaewa, a reptile man who ruled the tropical forest of Ilo. In one of the most famous legends, Hawaii, Hiiaka, the youngest sister of Pele, goddess of volcanoes, battled Panaewa on her journey to Kaui to fetch Lohiau, the man of Pele's dreams. Hiiaka wanted to defeat Mo'o along the way as a way to help the Ma... There is a lot of words that I don't know. Makainana. Makainana, who feared them. When she arrived to the Ilo Forest, Panaewa blinded Hiiaka with his frog arms, wrapped her in heavy mist, and shrouded her in the freezing rain until the lightning storms were brought down on him and defeated him. As the story continues, Hiiaka could go on to meet other legendary Mo'o on the island of Hawaii, including uh, Makaukiu, a ferocious monster with a great mouth and a strong, uh, and strong tail. Pili and Noho, two dragons that look like logs in the Wailuku River near Ilo, and Mo'oalu, the dragon in Kohoala, and the powerful jaws. With powerful jaws, I mean. So there's like a lot of um, really interesting mythology in these Hawaiian legends. Yeah. Super cool. The mystery of the Mo'o lies in the fact that there are no native reptiles to the Hawaiian Islands, nor any bones of any, any extinct species to prove that one existed. The numerous species of gecko seen in Hawaii houses and backyards today are non-native and not the ones referred to in the Hawaiian mythology. Nevertheless, legendary stories of the Mo'o have been passed down through the generations and persist at water sources around communities across the island. Sometimes they're visualized through natural land formations, such as the Mo'oalu Falls and Makai, Halawa Valley, where rocks at the top of the waterfall look like the head of a giant lizard. Mokoli'i, also known as the Chinaman's Hat, is said to be the other t- uh, tale of a giant lizard played by Hi'iaka. And Molokini off Maui, another lizard head cut off by Pele, are other examples. So they're saying that these dragons were so big, and specifically in Ilo, so basically what they're saying is that like sometimes when these dragons or these mo'o would uh, protect the land, they would actually lay down and turn into the stone that were like the mountains. Mm-hmm. So like a lot of the mountains that they see or like these formations of the rocks are actually just the lizards sleeping. Like dragons. The dragons sleeping, yeah. Wow. Or that they've passed away and they've said that they're going to always protect that land and that's them staying on the land protecting it. It's very Aww. interesting. Uh, Mo'o are so deeply embedded in the culture that they're even mentioned in the Hawaii's Kumulipo, a Hawaiian cre- uh, creation chant. The night gives birth to sluggish moving Mo'o. Slippery is a night with sleek skin Mo'o. That means we're already in the existence at the time of Papa Earth Mother and Wakia Sky Father. Very interesting. Wow. Though feared Mo'o were fierce guardians of water, which is primarily uh, which is 
primary uh, primary necessity for life. They weren't just bad spirits. They protected those places until death if they had to. In this way, the stories of the Mo'o can be used as an environmental lesson. And that's a lot of um, the theme that I saw that kept coming up with uh, a lot of these legends from Hawaii is that like the number one thing is the respect for the land, the respect for the resources, the respect for the animals. It was very interesting. I was Mm -hmm. kind of intrinsic, like how to respect, um, basically not take advantage of the land and -hmm. protect it. Very eco. I like that. Uh, Hawaii has currently problems with that. So that's, that's really interesting that, that lore and that belief has been on that island for centuries. Very. Okay, and the last one is, what do you know about Miss Pele? Um, I heard not to fuck with her. Yeah, like, she does do not play she around. She does not fucking play around. So, I have actually seen a lot of episodes of paranormal TV shows that go over this, uh, this what I'm about to talk about. And so let me get into it. Pele is a Hawaiian volcano deity and an elemental force and the creator of these volcanic landscapes. According to tradition, she is embodied by the lava and natural forces associated with volcanic eruptions. Oral history says that Pele was born in the distant lands of Kahiki and voyaged to the Hawaiian Islands in search of a suitable home. Various accounts place this journey sometime between 850 and 1250 AD. She migrated southeast from the islands, eventually arriving at her permanent home in Hala Umea Uma'u, crater at the summit of Kilauea. What is that next one? From Halema'u Yeah. Pele dwells and governs the boundaries of Puna and Kau. Ancient Hawaiian oil chants tell the Kuleana function of Pele creating new land, but also destroying what was once there. She is both destructive and creative in nature. Names like Pele, Pelehonomuea, Pele of the Red Earth, and Pele... Peleahiwana, Pele the eater of the land, themselves and are forms of historic accounts that described her volcanic energy and movement. Her unpredictable and volatile nature has been visible throughout the centuries in the form of glowing lava lakes, earth-shaking fountains, and in incandescent rivers of fiery lava flowing down Kilauea. For many Hawaiians, Pele is considered ohana and is revered. Uh, for some people of the uh, districts of Puna and Kau, on the island of Hawaii, she is like a family or a deified ancestor. Her presence can be felt by those who visit her volcanic domain and lives within the hearts of the, and minds of those people who experience her power. The presence of Pelehonuamea uh, is not necessarily approached with fear, but with respect. When you, when you visit Kilauea, remember to do so respectfully. In Hawaiian tradition, it is customary to ask permission from Pele to travel through her land and this sacred landscape. Another story that is well known because of this, or that goes with this, is that you should not take things from Hawaii. Because they're the all rocks from Hawaii. They're all Pele's. The sand and the rocks are her children because she created them. So she loves them and does not want you to take them from her. Mm-hmm. So she will curse you if you remove these items. So... One of the most well-known legends in the Hawaii is Pele's curse. Pele is known as the Hawaiian goddess of fire, lightning, wind, dance, and volcanoes. Her home is believed to be one of the uh, Halemau. Can you say that one again? Halemau Mau. Halemau Mau crater at the summit of Kilauea volcano. 
She is known for her passion and temper. Many visitors will likely hear stories of her power and destruction. The legend of Pele's curse say that anyone who removes anything natively Hawaiian like pieces of rock or sand from the Hawaiian islands will feel the wrath of Pele who views the rocks as her children. Legend has it that if you take away from Pele, you will incur years of bad luck. It is said that Pele's wrath is some, uh, stimulated by jealousy or arrogance. Some believe the myth of Pele's curse was actually invented by park rangers on the big island of Hawaii because they were tired of visitors making off with bits of the island. Many, including the Kama'aina or local residents, believe the Pele's curse is just a legend. However, to this day, hundreds of pieces of lava rocks are mailed back to the big island as a result of those who claim they have experienced bad luck and misfortune. Regardless of whether it is true or not, it encourages having respect for the Ayana or land and embracing the beauty of Hawaii. So, I got a couple of these stories. Oh my god. Tim Murray was ecstatic as he flew to Hawaii to accept a new job. His life was on a roll with a fulfilling relationship, career advancement, and college degree, all propelling him towards uh, at 32. His life couldn't have been any better, but that was he before he was met with Pele's wrath. So he took a rock, and unfortunately, the job did not pan out. He headed off to the Big Island for a little holiday before returning to his home in Florida. He visited Pele's crater home located in Hawaii's Volcano National Park and several black sand beaches. Without thinking, he scooped up a handful of black sand, stuffed it in a plastic bottle, and took the souvenirs home. So he filled a fucking bottle with sand and rocks. Mm -hmm. Tim returns home, and his life begins to fall apart. His fiance of five years left, his beloved pet died, and he started drinking heavily. And then the FBI came and arrested him on uh, on copyright infringement. Computer copyright, copyright infringement. And I read this story before, and they fucking took his computer. Wait, what? What What was? What were the charges? Copyright infringement. What the fuck does that mean? I don't know. <laughs> he copied someone? He copyrighted someone. He computer copyrighted somebody. How the fuck? But this is true. T- the Tim Murray story is true, and they took his computer. Oh, my God. Um, Tim's life was a wreck starting out between the... Uh, staring out between the bars at Federal Penitentiary. The FBI, who had been tracking him since his departure from Hawaii, stated that he, uh, they never arrested anyone under this charge. They said whatever he did, he must have uh, really made someone angry. Oh, my God. Larry Bell, uh, and the next one is Larry Bell. Larry Bell owned a large plumbing and heating company in Denver, Colorado. He visits the Big Island and takes home a marble-sized piece of lava as a keepsake. In the following six years, his daughter had serious health issues his marriage was strained to the breaking point, and he was forced to relocate his company. To top it off, he had unexpected heart surgery. Could these stories just be coincidences? According to Pilani Kawaloa, every rock has mana or power. It has its function and a name and a place it should be. Some are for building and some are for cooking. There are rocks that if you take them down by the water, they will attract fish. Pilani was a cultural interpreter of Hawaii's Volcanoes National Park. Larry journeyed back to the park two years later with his two daughters and returned the lava pebble and make am- and to make amends with Pele. <clears throat> David Kell was postmaster at HVNP and opened Pele's mail. They received thousands of pounds of rocks every year from people asking for forgiveness and pleading to have their souvenirs returned to Pele. He obliges them by making weekly trips to Pele's home. Other stones and black sands are returned to the ocean as well. Sometime in the early mid-1980s, a package arrived at Hawaii's Volcano National Park containing lava sand taken from Black Sands Beach in 1969. 
the woman who took the sand evidently loved the Hawaiian Islands a lot, as she and her husband returned frequently, despite uh, the gradually escalating mishaps, mishaps that struck them every time. The first time, the lady cut her foot. The second time they visited, she scraped her arm at the airport. The third time, she lost her hearing and broke an eardrum in a crater in Maui. Oh the fourth God. time, she sprained two toes on cement steps. The fifth time, they cut her finger. The sixth time, the husband had a heart attack and fell for the first time, uh, or and she fell for the first time, broke her left elbow, had a second fall, broke her kneecap in two places, and crushed it. Finally, in 1982, uh, the two unlucky tourists saw a display at Volcano House, the historical hotel on the edge of Kilauea Volcano, traditionally said to be Pele's dwelling place. This display showcased letters from other tourists who had suffered the curse of Pele. Bad luck that struck them after they had taken the lava rocks from Pele Volcano. All these victims returned what they had taken in hopes of lifting the curse. And to this couple, and so this couple, after that, they did too. Um, and so they returned to the island, and it was a lot better. Every year, Hawaiian National Parks, along with various Hawaiian tour companies and post offices near na- the national parks, receive thousands of pounds of returned lava. Along with the packages, often comes letters detailing the misfortunes that follow the souvenirs takers after the transgression. The legend of Pele's curse is widespread enough that Snopes actually classified it as true. What the fuck? Snopes, Snopes um, website. Mm-hmm. Wow. That's crazy. Good job. That was very... Um, that was scary, honestly. Like, with Pele, even if you don't really believe and you're not the type of super person's to be like superstitious first of all what are you doing listening to us second of don't take the rocks don't take the rocks or the even sand. if you don't believe don't risk it it's kind of like playing the ouija board even if you don't believe well i mean just don't do it we always say like be careful who you take food from be careful like what items you pick up and like in like sales you know like mm-hmm. vintage sales or like somebody leaves something out in the corner or something like that, they always tell you to be really careful because things carry energy. Yep. And this is basically what's happening here. People are taking these rocks and these sands and it's carrying these this like negative energy. Pele is literally telling you not to take her kids and people are still taking their stuff. Yeah. So. That's... Wow. I thought a lot of these things were so interesting. I cannot imagine the type of scary shit people tell around campfires in Hawaii. Let's fucking go. Uh, I want to go so bad just to hear like local people tell their stories and like the Mm -hmm. apparitions. I cannot imagine. I know that somebody has a good ass story of something that comes up out of the water. A mer person. Mermaids. That's something. When you mentioned Uh, about like a green green woman, mm -hmm. um, I very much thought it was that, like a mermaid or something, or like a, some type of like water spirit that comes out at night. Yeah, yeah. Because I, I don't know. There's something scary about like the ocean. The ocean. Water. That too. Yeah, no, <laughs> fuck, I don't fuck with that. Yeah, I don't fuck with that. I don't fuck with that. Can you imagine swimming? There's like hundreds of feet of nothingness below you. Something's gonna come out or of even that like water and pull you down. For me, like it's um black sand beaches so it's like you can look down and it's just black black that's scary <laughs> <laughs> yeah like a big bowl of nothingness yep no but that was it that's what i had about hawaii and wow. i thought it was super Good interesting job. 
I kind of want to look into like different lore of like Polynesians. You really should. I was just thinking. Um, so we had, uh, uh, I won't say his name, but Alicia's former ex that. Where was he from? Alicia's ex. Yes. Sorry. Former, former boyfriend. Wasn't event. he from Guam? He said he was Chamorro, right? Chamorro. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. He shared with us like some stories and he's like, there's a lot of scary shit that happens out there. I know there's a lot of scary shit I was that like, happens I would there. love to know. Mm. <laughs> I just know there's crazy shit I was like, that do you want to take another shot? Do you want to take another shot and tell us those stories? <laughs> um, but yeah, you should. You should definitely make this like a series. Just scary Ooh, urban legends, so. like little urban legends. We might consider it. We might consider it. We'll think about it. But I, good job. I really liked that. Um, I mean, for Asian American and Pacific Islander Heritage Month, I feel like the main focus is heavily on Asian American. Rarely do you see any spotlight on like Pacific Islanders. Mm-hmm. So good job. Let me give Janetta a call. Janetta, listen to this episode. What's her uh, ethnicity? She's Samoan. Okay. I'm scared. (laughs) She's going to beat my ass. (laughs) (laughs) That's a stereotype, but actually, Janetta can fight. Like, she will beat somebody's ass. (laughs) Like, she can't fight because she's Samoan. She can fight and she just so happens to be Samoan. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah. (laughs) Exactly wow yeah well do you want to give the outro i actually just accidentally closed it out are you fucking serious yeah do you want to give the outro i can't read okay it's a crime you can't rhyme this is so weird being on like a new computer yeah and the screens are really big yeah okay so thanks for listening uh please follow us on instagram at spooky podcast and on Twitter at Pod. Also, email us any story suggestions you... Sorry, what? Also, email us any story suggestions or your own scary stories at Podcast at gmail.com. Special thanks to Taylor Turner for the artwork and Kyle Fields for the intro music. And don't forget to tell someone you love how much they mean to you. Goodbye. Oh, bye. <laughs>